up here. So I don't know if I introduced myself before. My name is Paul, uh, the pastor here, and uh, I'm just excited to be here with you this morning. Can we play a game? All right. Absolutely, somebody said, so one person counts. <laughs> so I'm going to just get you to raise your hand because the game is addressing the fact that we live in a polarized world. I don't like this here either. Is that better? All right. So we live in a polarized world. Have you noticed? Yeah, a little bit. So I want to play a game with you just to kind of get us warmed up to this idea that, yeah, increasingly it feels like we're in a polarized world. So I'm going to ask you either or, and you raise your hand for one or the other, okay? So we'll just play this really simply. Chocolate or vanilla? So chocolate, vanilla. Okay, so half of you are wrong. Okay. Superhero movies, for some of you, some of the ones I do, you're going to be like, I don't get it, I don't know. So that's okay, you can just do like, I don't know. But so superhero movies, Marvel or DC, okay? Marvel, DC, yeah, that's pretty true to form. So they're DC are a minority and they're still trying to figure out why. Okay. <clears throat> Leafs or Habs? Leafs? Habs, the exits here, here, and there. But we all know that the Oilers are going to lift the cup, right? Yes, yes. I'm an Oilers fan, have been since 1980 when I started playing hockey and Wayne Gretzky did too. So, and I've, I've always stayed with them. Okay, so that was a little bit of fun, but I want to turn up the heat a little bit, okay? So we're actually going to move. I'm going to turn up the heat a little bit each time, and I'm going to make you feel more uncomfortable. So that's just a heads up. So at some point, if you're like, ah, I'm not doing this one, it's okay to not participate. Fair? Okay. I need to put my glasses on. More taxes or less taxes? More taxes? Less taxes. Okay. Hmm. Capital punishment or rehabilitation? Capital punishment, rehabilitation. Okay. I want to turn the heat up just a little bit more. Those of you who are playing along at home, um, because it's private, I just encourage you not to get too frustrated with each other. Okay, everybody here is being polite and civil. <laughs> Let's address some issues that have been more relevant to all of us recently. Because it's, it's things that have been affecting each and every one of us in our homes, at the workplace, in the neighborhood. And there's a wonderful point here today. So some of you, you cannot self-contradict yourself on this one. Masks or no masks? Masks? No masks. Some of you are wearing masks, so, so we know. We've been working actually really hard to say, wherever you are at on this, we want you to be here. We don't want to create a culture where somebody feels less than because maybe they think differently on some of these fundamental issues. Vaccine or no vaccine? Vaccine? No vaccine. Okay? This one I'm I just going to throw in there because it's just fun, but it's more than one. It's, it's actually a choice of four, and there's many more, but um, let's just talk politics a bit this morning. Okay? Blue, orange, red, or green? Blue? Orange, red, green, 
new blue, new green, new purple, uh, on and on we go. <clears throat> pro-choice or pro-life? Pro-choice, pro-life. That's been in the news a lot, and there's all this worry that it's going to be affecting our culture more and more. And most recently, do we reform the gun laws, new gun laws, or leave it status quo? New gun laws in the U.S. or status quo? We are living in a world that is more and more polarized and less and less willing to enter into dialogue. And there are more enemies than there ever were before. At least that's how it feels. And sociologists um, might say, actually, Paul, the opposite is true. And it could be. And I haven't gone into all of the, the quantitative research. But I would guess that the average person feels like our world is more polarized now than it has ever been for a variety of different reasons. And I, and I wondered about one thing that could be helpful, this idea that when we confuse our ideas with our identity, any disagreement with us feels like a personal attack. And that might be a bit simplistic because our, our ideas are fed by our identity. But I know even just what we just did, and I tried to keep it as lighthearted as I could, I actually contemplated having two people on stage and just letting them go back and forth from here to there. But I want them to still like each other uh, at the end of the service. But I imagine some of you are actually like, I can't believe he's asking us to put our hand up on this. Because you feel so tentative about somebody knowing how you feel on this issue. And you're tired of people disagreeing on these issues. And yet here we are. And I wonder if there's value in just learning to realize that our ideas, while they come from our identity, aren't necessarily the same as our identity. And when somebody may be disagreeing with us, they're not necessarily making a personal attack against us. But that is very hard to actually live out. It sounds great. Sit in a room where you have to debate an issue with somebody, and you'll see how that all plays out. Um, I don't often do this, but I want to recommend a commercial that you watch online. And for some of you, I'm just going to apologize ahead because you may not like that I'm promoting this, but it's by the, the beer company Heineken. And I would encourage you to go on YouTube and watch this. You can just type in Heineken Worlds Apart. It's a five-minute commercial, and it is brilliant. And it speaks to this issue that we're speaking to today. Only they've left out some very important elements about how we actually um, respond to those who are against us. So I want to read passage for you. Keep in mind what Kathy read for us through Proverbs 2 this morning about asking for understanding and seeking wisdom as we walk through this together this morning. So we're in a series on Luke. We're walking through Luke's gospel, the historical account of Jesus according to a man named Luke. And we're in chapter 6. And we're um, looking at the teaching of Jesus, that these are words to live by. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says this, To you who are willing to listen, 
I say this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, give them your shirt. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love only those who love you, well, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can pay you back, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners lend to sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. This is typically a passage we take and we apply it to things like just war theory. Should we go to war? Should we not? Should we use violence? Should we not? But, but I think the principles in here that Jesus has given us are so profound in speaking to those of us living in a world that feels more and more polarized. I'd like to take a moment and just ask the question, who is your enemy? And I'd like to offer uh, a simple definition for who an enemy is today. Anyone who is against you. Pick an issue, pick a topic, and right away, you know that there are people in your life who are on the other side of an issue that you have visceral feelings about and thoughts and opinions. And an enemy is anyone who is against you. And when we name someone who's on the other side, what we do is we other them. It's a term that, we, that I call, that I've come across, called othering. So we make somebody on the other side into more of a third-party kind of concept. And when we name someone, when we other them who are on the other side, it allows us to justify our behavior towards them. And our behavior may not be aggressive. It may not be anything other than I just avoid and keep away. And I have a sense of indifference towards somebody. And we justify that. And the beauty of a passage like this, where Jesus just worms his way into our minds and in our hearts, he doesn't let us get away with othering people or naming people in a negative sense. In fact, he tells us what the appropriate behavior is towards someone who is against us, towards someone who is against you. And that's what this teaching is doing. And so he starts off his teaching here by saying, to you who are willing to listen. And we covered this last week. And I, and I read these words and I just think, wow. I think Jesus kind of was aware of the situation he was in at the time. 
And I think he was aware of everyone who would hear these words and read these words from that moment on throughout time, even today sitting in this room, but to you who are willing to listen. Because in that statement, I think there's an assumption that not everybody's going to like what he has to say. Because the very next words out of his mouth are so contrary to everything we've grown up with in many respects. Love your enemies. Love those who are against you. And I think Jesus is not so foolish to think that just because he said it, everyone's going to agree with it. And then he walks us through just a variety of responses that we have for people on the other side. When someone is against you, when someone is that faceless enemy, that we other, that we put on the other side, that we turn into third person as a them rather than an individual or a group of people that we might want to associate with, Jesus says, this is the behavior that is appropriate for you as my followers. Love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Have you noticed something about his teaching? It's all in the positive. It's not like Jesus is saying, well, when someone's on the other side, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. Instead, he says, because you are my followers, if you are willing to listen, let me give you some suggestions of what you can do. And it's so uh, enlightening, it's so uh, releasing when he says, you can do this. This is entirely possible for you to live out. Because you are my followers. Because I've modeled this for you. Because I'm empowering you to live this way. That when someone is against you, when, when there are issues that are fundamental to you, you can love them. You can do good things to them. You can bless them. You can pray for them. And the beauty of the teaching, I think, the beauty of the teaching that he's given us is that each and every one of you can decide what that looks like. What does it look like to love them? Well, I don't know, but you know. What does it look like to do good to them? I have no idea. I know about the people in my own life. But for you, you'll determine that. And you'll seek the wisdom and the understanding that we were praying for earlier. And I think what Jesus is doing is inviting us to become peacemakers in a world that is incredibly polarized and divided on issue after issue after issue after issue. And he's inviting us to partner with him on establishing God's shalom, his overall well-being. So shalom isn't just about peace. Shalom is like a wholeness to life. It's the overall well-being of, of a community, of a culture, of a society, of an individual. And so when Jesus gives us this teaching and says, if you are willing to listen, you will be peacemakers bringing about God's shalom in your neighborhood, in your congregation, in your home. 
There's a man named Donald Craybill. He wrote a book a long time ago called The Upside-Down Kingdom. And if you want to understand the ethos of like our congregation or the denomination to which we belong, the Anabaptists, The Upside-Down Kingdom is, to me, by far and away, probably the best book you could ever read to understand this kind of thinking. And in this book, talking about enemy love, Donald Crable says this, we are called to practice shalom, seeking the overall well-being of others in all areas of life, not because its effectiveness is guaranteed, but because it gives witness to God's love. See, to you who are willing to listen, I think there's also an understanding that just because we live this way doesn't mean that the other people are going to be different. It may not make things better. It doesn't guarantee results. But what it does do is show people what God's love looks like in action on a day-to-day basis. And then I love what he does um, after Jesus says, this is what you can do. And carries on offering the other cheek, giving to people who ask. And then verse 32. <clears throat> he's just remarkable at how he doesn't let us find the loopholes on our way out. Because for some, they might say, I am a loving person. I do good. I give. And, and I'm sure there were people in the crowd listening to Jesus when he, and he's knowing that he's saying this, and then he carries on. He says in verse 32, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Basically he's saying anybody can do that. If you do good only to those who do good for you, well, why should you get credit for that? Anybody can do that. If you lend only to those who will pay you back, big whoop, anybody can do that. And you're like, oh. But I wonder, as I read this and I sit again and I say, God, show me what it is that that I need to hear in this passage and what you're saying. And it just left me asking this question. That if we were honest with ourselves, are we not masters at creating tribes of people who are just like us. Who think just like us. Who behave just like us. It's just easier. It's just easier. And I think about the way that that I'm tempted to do this. And Jesus says, Paul... Anybody can do that. It's not hard to love people who are just like you. It's not hard to do good to people who are just easy to do good to. Or to give people who will pay you back. Have you ever noticed that there are a lot of nice people in this world? Have you ever found yourself saying, how can I tell this person about about Jesus? How can I tell them that they need Jesus? They're nicer than I am. Have you ever experienced anybody like that? And you think, like, what do I do with that? I don't have answers to, to all of your conversations you may or may not have. 
But what I know is in examples like this, when we begin to practice enemy love, there is something in that so profound and so deeply healing and so radically different than the world in which we live that I I just find myself saying, I want to live this in community. Because I wonder how many people who are those really nice people are capable of being that way with those who are so radically different than them and opposed to them in different areas. And I'm not judging them because they may be still that way. But I just find myself saying, this is the kind of radical stuff that messes with people's heads. Is when we start loving people who are diametrically opposed to us. And it's kind of easy to take this and put it onto like Ukraine, the Russian Orthodox Church and the Ukrainian Orthodox Church and how they, you know, they need to come together. It's great to do that. But you probably have someone in your family or close to you who is just radically different in their thinking to you from something as simple as a vaccine or a mask. And it's been dividing you and wreaking havoc. And I wonder how this teaching sits with you as you think about how you've responded through it all. And so Jesus says, hey, there are some things anybody can do, but let me push you a little bit. And then just for good measure, it's like he says, let me repeat this for you, just in case you missed it. And so you get to verse uh, 38, and he just says the same things all over again. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And he just circles back. And it's kind of like, well, wow. You know, first he said, if you're willing to listen with the awareness that not everybody's going to like what he has to say. And then as he goes through all this, he says, oh, I just want to circle back just so you understand how important this is. And he just repeats it again in shorthand. And then there's this wonderful invitation. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation or if you've ever been in a situation where two people that are grown adults are like, are like fighting. Have you ever experienced that? Like, not fist fighting, but they're just like, they're arguing. They're not talking to her. The arms are crossed or they're yelling or whatever it is. And you find yourself thinking, stop acting like children. Yeah? And yet in this passage here, Jesus says, start acting like children. But not the kind of children that you're thinking of when people are fighting. But the kind of children that have God as their father. Because in this passage, Jesus says this, if you will do these things, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Man, like, Luke is not pulling any punches in the way that he's giving us the teaching of Jesus. Start acting like God's kids. 
Because when you start doing these things, the rewards that you're looking for, the experiences with God that you're longing to have may start creeping up more and more. And it's in the midst of hardness and difficulty in relationship that there's the potential for the greatest experience with God. I love, I, I find, I've found this to be true in my life. I love to be in settings when we're all together and we're singing and we're worshiping and you can just feel the emotion in the room. And you're like, wow, what an experience of the Holy Spirit in the room today. And yet I've been in situations where I've practiced this and my hands are frozen. They're pretty cold right now. And I've been in face-to-face -face dialogue with someone who's in deep conflict with me. I'm going through that or walking across the room to somebody that I know is radically different from me that everything in me doesn't want to associate with them. And I obey the Spirit's leading and there's just some kind of wild, profound experience with God through that and after that that is so very different than being in a room full of people singing. It's usually preceded by absolute terror. And then afterwards, just the sense of, oh my word. And it has not always turned out well. And yet somehow, it felt like God was there. And I think Jesus is asking us to, to trust him and to become vulnerable towards those who are different than us and to take on postures that are very Jesus-like in navigating the polarized culture in which we live. So I want to talk a little bit about some of these postures that come out of this passage. A humble posture. To be willing to come or to appear as less than. Two people who are on either side of an issue, who are enemies, who are in conflict, and Jesus says, love them, do good to them, bless them, pray for them. And in our world's eyes, what that's doing is here's the person you're in conflict with and Jesus is asking you to do this. And there's so much ingrained within us because of the society in which we live that says, no, I'm better than them. And yet every one of these postures, not only did Jesus teach on it, Jesus modeled it. Throughout his life, and ultimately throughout the arrest and the execution by his enemies that he endured. And he's saying, I've shown you how it works. Trust me on this one. To have a humble posture, to have a listening posture, to lean in and to take the time to listen to those who are against you. When Jesus said in verse 27, to you who are willing to listen, I wonder what would happen if we took that not only for his teaching, but if we actually applied that sentiment to the, to the conversations that we might have with people who are on another side of an issue, to those who are willing to listen. And then to lean in with a listening posture, to hear from them. And to have an open posture, to hold your ideas loosely, 
This might be a news flash to you, but you are not infallible. And you are not inerrant. Your ideas are not sacrosanct. In fact, my prayer for, for each of you and for myself is that we would continue to grow and develop in, in our thinking, in how we view things, because there's just always new learning to be had. And it is possible that maybe you have some more learning to do on whatever the topic might be. A humble posture, a listening posture, an open posture, and a healing posture. Love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Remember last week we talked about blessing? It could be translated as fortunate or even as make them the lucky ones. Make them the fortunate ones. Bless them. Pray for them. I wonder, in a culture that is increasingly polarized, if we really need better arguments. I'm only talking to those of us who would say, I'm willing to listen to Jesus because I follow Jesus. I'm not asking us to put this kind of teaching or this kind of um, ideas on people who would say, I, I don't share your faith in Jesus. But for those of us who do, I wonder if the last thing we need is better arguments. And maybe the thing we need most is better loving. In a very polarized world, I wonder if embracing these Jesus-like postures to those who are against us can be a catalyst for deep healing. In your home, in your neighborhood, in our congregation. And I mean, I don't know if it's an elephant in the room, but over the last two years, we've witnessed increasingly a polarization within our congregation on a number of issues. That's why we're kind of like this. I want to put a question up on the screen here for you. And those of you who are watching online, uh, I want to give you a bit of time to just dialogue about it. And I actually want, we've got um, a few minutes here. I want to invite you to just dialogue for a bit on this question. What could we actively do right now to minimize the polarized thinking in our congregation or in our communities or in your home? So, because everything I've said is great, right? Of course, you're all just shaking your head. But how do you do it? What if we took a, just five minutes and just in a little group, those around you, throw out some ideas on what we might consider trying. Not talking about issues. Keep it generic. How do we actively do some of these things to minimize the polar polarity in our congregation, in our communities. So I'm going to give you about three or four minutes. And if you're not comfortable talking, you don't have to. Get into groups of six to eight.
and just share some ideas. What are some things that we could try doing? And we're not critiquing ideas. We're just throwing out ideas. You might take that idea and say, hey, I love it. I didn't think about that. And at home, you can do the very same thing. And so we're going to play some music, give you a few minutes to do this, and then I'll call you back together for us to finish. Okay? Questions? How that works? Okay, have at it. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to wrap up. <clears throat> Those of you at home, 60 seconds.
Okay, I'm going to get you to wrap up your thought, whoever's sharing right now, and back here at the front. Those of you online, welcome back. I do apologize um, if you've been here for a while or you're newer and you're like, what was that? Um, Just recognize, like, I can do some of the teaching on this, but there's so many things that we could learn from each other on things like this. And I just feel like this is too important for us just to, to listen and then walk away. So I want to give you some opportunity as we go through the teachings of Jesus to just dialogue with each other and interact a little bit. And um, if I do better at con- being more concise, I might even bring up my flip chart here and say, okay, share some of your thoughts. But... Um, it's hard to do with a larger group, but I just think there's something really powerful in that. I'm even toying around with some other ideas like stay after for another 30 minutes and we'll just sit in the front here and we'll do the same thing and just kind of bring this um, closer to home. However, I have lots of ideas. They're just not always good ideas. <clears throat> I, wanna, I wrote a prayer for us this morning as I was just, um, I get up very early. I come in here on Sunday mornings and I try to, get my head on straight and my heart right for being together with us. And I wrote this prayer this morning for us. And I want to pray it for for you. Father God, our world feels like it is becoming increasingly polarized. So open our eyes to see what it is we've been ignoring for too long. Open our ears to hear from you your thoughts. Open our wills to admit our own complicity in this othering pandemic. Open our hearts to love those on the other side who are against us. Open our minds to imagine together how we might be peacemakers. Jesus taught us to love those who are against us and to bless them. He modeled for us what this looks like in daily life. He modeled for us how this works in extreme circumstances by giving his life to his enemies. May we learn from him the power of enemy love. As we open ourselves up to your Holy Spirit, O God, pour your healing power into us. May your healing power mend our own wounded hearts. Let the healing natures of enemy love flow through us to bring your healing to those on the other side those who are against us, who are against me, who are enemy. In your mercy, allow us the joy of experiencing the reconciling power of your presence within us and among us. In your mercy, forgive us for our part in the polarizing divisions in our church, in our community, in our homes. 
In your mercy, renew us into your image and into ambassadors of peace. May your shalom transform each of our hearts and ultimately our relationships with each other. Transform us into your likeness as we reflect your glory. Make us more and more like Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to do one more thing with me this morning is to stand and for those of you who know, to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Thank you for today. Uh, I wanted to just finish today with a number of announcements because there are a few things that are happening that we wanted to draw your attention to. And the first thing is, if you drove in today, you might have noticed that there was an excavator on the front lawn with a pile of stone. And we are working together with Free Spirit Gardens in, in starting a community garden allotment. And so this year is kind of like a trial, uh, a trial period. And so um, if you're interested, um, you can contact myself, we can get you, uh, we're not organizing it, so we can get you Matt's number, but I just thought, you know, if somebody was brave enough, or a number of you, um, we could start an allotment and actually grow some food for our community. Um, so this is kind of, it's, it's been in talks for a long time, but it's been happening in the last little bit. So it's kind of like, ooh, this is really happening. So this is kind of like a trial year, but we want you to know that's what's going on. So you're going to see right on top of the old septic bed, it's the old septic bed, um, that, that the, the, the growing will be happening. So uh, if you're interested in that, you can dialogue probably with myself would be best on, on what's going on there with that. Um, just for online, uh, if you are... If you are here and you'd like to, to donate, we have a box at the back for paper uh, of any sort that you can drop it in a black box, or I think there's a URL code there too that you can use your phone if you'd like to give online, just as a reminder for that. Tonight, very exciting that there is a unity service happening at Clearview Community Church. Twice a year we do unity services, usually here in Collingwood and in the spring it's in the Stainer area. So it's at Clearview Community Church, the Stainer campus. It's at 7 o'clock tonight. There's a lot of singing. There are a lot of churches involved in coming together and uh, in a short time of teaching, but it's a great opportunity to get together with other Christians in our community. That's tonight, Clearview Community Church. 7 p.m. And if you forget all of that, it's in the weekend email. You can also go to our website to find out what's going on. Now, mothers, I need to apologize to you, or women, because Mother's Day, we wanted to do a brunch, and things were still really dicey, so we couldn't do that. And as what you would expect for Father's Day, things are wonderful, it's nice, so we're going to have a barbecue for dads. <laughs> so, um, we, wanted, we want this to be an outdoor thing with food and stuff. What helps us is because we just have no idea anymore how many to expect. It would be great if you could just register online or out at the lobby at the Connection Center. There are a number of sign-up sheets if you prefer to just do it by paper. Uh, if you do it by paper, somebody will put it, you know, digitally so that we've got everybody in one space. But you can go online or you can do it through the paper out there. That's Father's Day. Um, 
Kathy walked us through an exercise called Lectio Divina. It literally means holy reading. And we are actually wanting to invite those of you who would be interested to explore more of that with Kathy for four or five weeks through June uh, coming up on Thursday mornings, 7.30. But you don't have to be here. You can just log on through Zoom. And Kathy will walk you through just for four or five weeks holy reading where we let the scriptures read us rather than us reading the scriptures. And we let the Spirit of God speak to us through the scriptures. And so if you'd be interested in that, you can again sign up online or you can sign up on the sheet at the Connection Center. And we also have Sunday morning prayer meetings that we've started. And um, if you'd like to get together with other people, and there are already some who joined this morning, at 9.15 on Sunday morning, if you come in through the lobby and then you go up the stairs to the classrooms upstairs, there's a group of people up there praying for about 30 minutes, and we would encourage you to do that. Um, and just a reminder about the baby bottle campaign, and that's a lot of announcements, but I thought we're just going to put them on the end um, so that you're aware of all of this. Sign-ups are in the lobby, or you can do it online. Thanks for being here today. Next week, we're going to carry on with more of the teaching uh, from Jesus around this whole idea of judgment. Um, so, and judging people and that kind of fun stuff. So that's what we'll be exploring together next week. But do thank you for being here today. And uh, go in peace to love and serve the Lord this week. Be his peacemakers together. See you next week. <laughs>